Hello and welcome to the Edge of the Box podcast, a podcast by whoscored.com in association with OddsChecker. I'm your host, Dan Bardell, joined by George Ellick and Jonathan Wilson to preview another staggered Premier League game week. We did the five games last week, of course, and we all know there are five games this week as well. We are going to start with Arsenal against Crystal Palace, but before we do that, let's exchange some pleasantries. Jonathan, are you well? I'm very well, thanks. How are you? Yep, very well, thank you. All the better for seeing you. George? Haircut, George, no? Yeah, haircut. I've also got this thing where I get, it happens every time this time of year where I get a cold and then my lips just go bright pink. So this is always fun. I mean, have you got over your cold? Yeah, cold's kind of on the way out, but it's the, um, but this is what I pay for. So now I look like I'm wearing lipstick, which is fine. Now you've drawn attention to it. It really is startling how pink it is. Yeah. I didn't notice (laughs) it before before you said it, George Ellis. Well, I'm not embarrassed. yeah, let's get. You should guys do what you want if you want. If you want, if you want to lip. Obviously, that's fully up to you. Yeah, you can I do mean, what you like. I'm not, but I, but I can. And if you want to, that's that's right. Right then, away from George's mouth, let's talk about Arsenal <laughs> and Crystal Palace. It was, it was my nose last week. It's my mouth this week. <laughs> I'm completely flustered. By, by, by this stuff. Right then, football. Let's do some football. Mikel Arteta has never lost four matches in a row as Arsenal manager. Jonathan, even in their darkest days, he didn't manage four defeats on the spin. There is a chance it could happen this weekend, but Crystal Palace at home does feel like a nice fixture. Yeah, I mean, if, if they lose this, then there really is the beginnings of something looking slightly like it might become a crisis at Arsenal. Uh, it's, it's an odd thing with, with Arteta that every season he's been at Arsenal, they've had a little run in either December or, or January where they've lost, or, or sorry, failed to win five or six games in a row. And I guess, I guess it might be coincidence. You know, it's not an enormous sample size, but I do wonder if it's something about... The, 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 the glut of fixes you get at this time of year, that maybe his style of management um, it doesn't take account of. I think he's a manager who is, and to an extent that's been forced on by the limitations of the squad, but I, d- I don't think he's keen to rotate. Um, and I think possibly that does, does store up problems. So they're clearly yeah, playing nowhere near as well now as they were earlier this season. They weren't playing as well earlier this season as they were in their best periods last season. So there are issues there. Yeah. George, Jonathan mentions the squad there. I've got to be honest, in the summer after they completed their window, I thought their squad was a bit bloated and and too big. But Jonathan mentions the reluctance to to rotate there. It does feel like in certain positions they they don't have many options at the moment. But like I've just said, in the summer, I I felt like their squad was a little bit too big. Yeah, maybe. Um, But there there are players who... He's so reluctant to play. Like Eddie Nketiah is obviously one where even though he seems to do okay when he plays and he scored goals this season, they're clearly trying to upgrade on him. Um, you also look at you know an absentee in Thomas Partey, who you look at as being in the squad in the summer, who, who clearly isn't available. And even across the back line, like it, if even though the squad might look bloated, it feels like there are kind of 14 players in rotation, and beyond that, no one really gets a look in. So and I also think there's there's one player who who no one really talks about. And I was going to talk about this later on when we talk about Martinelli, but like Granite Shackers have, have been, I think, a massive loss to this Arsenal oh, side. Really has, I, really I, has. And and I know that you know he he's you know, his reputation maybe wasn't the best, although he did you know he, he went out on, in pretty good terms. I think having a left-footed ball player on the left-hand side of that midfield three was a massive reason why Martinelli um, his his form has changed. Where now you've got 
are playing Havertz there. And Havertz and Shaka like couldn't be more different in terms of the skill sets they provide in, in that position. And it's, so it's not really that surprising that the player playing off the left is suddenly not in games as often and not being able to get in the, on the ball as often. And Shaka was someone who was a consistent performer. Yes, you know, sometimes he'd make mistakes and yes, he was rash at times as well. But, you know, and it's easy at this point of the season after they've, you know, I think it's one win in their last seven in all competitions um, to, to mention him when, you know, we wouldn't have done six weeks ago. But this is where I think it's quite fairly obvious that he's someone that they're really missing in that role. Um, and, and it's having an impact on other players in the squad. Well, yeah, you can put lipstick on a pig, can't you? <laughs> I've, just spent the last five, I've spent the last five minutes trying to find that quote, and I still, still, didn't, still didn't find it. I'm not even sure if I used it correctly there, but I was, I was, I was desperate desperate to get it in. I think, I think George is right about, about Xhaka, and Party's been missing pretty much all season as well, Jonathan. So the midfield hasn't felt quite right, as good as Declan Rice has, has been. The midfield balance hasn't felt quite as, as good this season as maybe it did last season. Yeah, I mean, I think when Jacker went, I think we knew he'd played well last season. There's obviously the issue at Anfield that was was he responsible for the crowd getting up there, which I, I sort of think that if he hadn't had the previous record he'd had with Arsenal, that wouldn't even have been an issue. No. But it's a, it's a case of, you know, give a dog a bad name and... Um, Put lipstick on a pig. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, 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 I sort of my, my feeling at the time was if a if this is a sacrifice they need to make to be able to afford Declan Rice, it's probably worth it. Um, but then you see how well he's played in in the Bundesliga, and you sort of think some of that dynamism, some of that directness, they could have done with, and given how the Havertz transfer really yeah. hasn't worked out yet. You, you sort of think, well, I'm not, it doesn't look like that was really an upgrade. So certainly not in terms of the the squad and the team dynamic. Um, I, I think it's an interesting point about Martinelli's form dipping off with without him, and, and that makes complete sense. I also think Martinelli and Saka both look naked, and this is where they do, wouldn't they? I think that's yeah, you know, that's where Arteta's reluctance to rotate is really. I think it damaged Arsenal last season, the last sort of six weeks, uh, two months of last season. And I think you, you can see that again this season. And I sort of I sort of feel every time I'm watching Saka, I'm just waiting for him to get the injury that's going to keep him out of the Euros. It just feels he's so close to the line all the time. And he, you know, he, he gets a treatment from a, a opposing defenders. And I understand why Arsenal feel that maybe he's not protected as much as he should be. But he's also, he's not getting protection from his own manager. He keeps yeah. flogging them through every game. Yeah, and, and he Martin comes up the injured and then, and then he suddenly he's there again, starting. Like, it, it does feel irresponsible. And then they've got Trossard, who always seems to do quite well whenever he plays. I know he's a very different type of player to Martinelli, but I do wonder if they could have used Trossard a bit more. Yeah. And then if, if they'd... I, 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 don't, I don't think Nketiah is really the right level. But if they did, if they had had a centre forward who, who could play, you could then have, have moved uh, Jesus out wide as well, and he could have. I mean, he can play either side to give people a bit of a break. So I, I, I think, I think the issues really are, are just well, as they were the last couple of months last season. They, they're just fatigue, but that's set in earlier this season, maybe because you know uh, the cumulative effect of last season, maybe because of the Champions League. I mean, Martinelli's got the fifth worst shot conversion across the entirety of the Premier League, according to, to who scored. The worst is actually Pedro Porra on zero percent. It feels there must be other players on. Wow. I mean, there, there isn't because they'd be in this list, but to be the only player on on zero percent, that feels a bit a bit weird. The only player who's had a shot and hasn't scored, or do you have to have a certain number of shots? 
to be on that list? No, it says uh, 30 plus shots taken. It does say okay. in the bottom left hand corner. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm shocked to learn Porro's taken 30 plus shots. Oh, I'm not. Yeah, I, I, I think he said there's been games where he's had 30 shots in the first half. He's, he's, he's <laughs> I really the, like Pedro Porro. He's the Andros Towns and the left backs. That's a, that's a stack. I don't think I've ever seen a, a zero for anything on who scored to what under Pedro Porro. He did score in the FA Cup, though, to be fair to yeah. him, didn't he? Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. A very good goal. Yeah, I, I, find I love him. Either. I love Pedro Porro. I think he's absolutely fantastic, but mm. he won't want to see those stats. That, that's for sure. Martinelli's actually only got two goals this season. George, one off the bench and, and one as a starter. So, you know, we can talk as much as we like about Arsenal in front of goal and generally that they're, they're not as good, but it does feel like the other players have at least contributed. You know, Saka is still scoring in the Premier League. Martinelli, it just, it just hasn't happened for him for, for whatever reason this season. I know you've just you've just gone over a, a few of the reasons, but do you think he'll he'll bounce back? Do you think maybe taking out the firing line for a bit? But he's such a good player, isn't he? And he, he's usually so, he feels like a clinical player in front of goal, but it isn't happening. He'll definitely bounce back. Like they're, Young players and especially wide players go through periods where they, they, they don't play particularly well. There's no need for a, you know, there's no need for a post mortem because the career isn't dead. You know, it, it's a case of it's it's a young player who's gone through a period last season where he was exceptional and like he was like, he was so much better. I remember that in that run of form early last season, just much better than I ever thought he was. Especially his ball carrying ability. Like he burst onto the scene as this kind of young striker who was scoring headers in the cup. And suddenly he plays as this incredible inside forward with still with that goal output, but also able just to get on the ball and carry Arsenal forward yeah, so many so times. And, and, you know, naturally, it's very hard for players, especially wingers, to, um, to, to reproduce that kind of form consistently. So it, it's a dip in form. As I said, I think not having a left-footed player um, playing on the left-hand side, let alone one as good as, as progressing the ball as Shaka, obviously makes an impact as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it's a matter of time, but but maybe now, rather than Arteta doing what he seems to do, which is basically just stick to the formula, um, stick with what he believes the best team is, rather than looking to kind of change. It was interesting how early in the season, when he when he moved White into centre back, and, and he gave that um, he gave that interview where he said spoke about how he takes a different road back from training every every day when he depending on the traffic and the time and there was a kind of an analogy for you know there, there are different teams for different opposition but ever since then it's basically felt like he's put the same team out every game um and maybe maybe now is the time to actually look to to, to change it and, and take martinelli out and bring someone else back in in order to, to nurture his development because at the moment it's not really happening for him that's a lovely segue that you've done there, George, lining me up nicely for, for, for the next section. So who scored the boffins who scored have put together Arsenal's most used 11 here in, in a 4-3-3 system. You could probably both reel off the, the 11 players, but I'll, I'll do it anyway. It's Raya, Ben White, Saliba, Gabriel, Zinchenko, Declan Rice, Erdegaard, Kai Havertz, Saka, Jesus and Martinelli. Only three players in that team or for us this season, have got a better Premier League rating according to who scored than they did last season. Can you name the three players? Some of them Rice. are marginal, I will say. Sorry, Declan Jonathan. Rice. Declan Rice is one. He's up by 0.17. Saliba? No, Saliba's actually down. Uh, oh, he He's not up. <laughs> Havertz is down as well, 0.13. Erdgaard? Nope, down, 0.16. Gabriel? Gabriel is up by 0.02. Zinchenko? Nope, down. 0.06. I'm terrible. Down. 0.47. White? Down. No. The only player you haven't named, I think, now. Saka. 
Saka's ah. up this season. Saka's up. Yeah, yeah 0.11. I actually, I don't know whether you were on the show or not, Jonathan, but we did, we did say a few weeks ago that Saka is rating has improved season upon season. So if you had been, if you hadn't been on for that one, you would you would have known. But perhaps that was one where you weren't here. I mean, in the in the in the visual, there's a lovely game of Connect Three going on with Gabriel, <laughs> Declan Rice, and and Saka going down on the on the, on the diag. But yeah, you surprised with any of them? I'm, I'm surprised that Gabriel's up and Saliba's down, Jonathan. I mean, presumably none of these are by huge margins. No, it's, the biggest drop-off actually is is uh, Jesus, 0.55, and Raya, 0.47. But Jesus scored a load of goals early on last season, and goals do get you Would good boost. ratings. Mm, so that's true. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess it, it, it makes sense in that they've got a lot fewer points. Yeah. Yeah, per, yeah, per game. I weren't there. They got fewer points per game at this, you know, now than they had over the whole of last season. So I guess from that point of view, they are they are probably playing worse. And you know, the, the, certainly the first half of last season, there were a few games where they really cut loose and won games by by sort of three or four. Whereas this season, I mean, there've been a couple. Of, I mean, uh, it was Sheffield United, was it? They beat five nil. And Kettier scored a hat trick there. Yeah, they got. I think they won four 0 away at Bournemouth. So it have been the odd one, but I, I just don't think they've been anywhere near as attacking this season, which I think yeah. is. A deliberate ploy. I think they've they've tried to tighten up, and maybe that sort of thing is is harder to reflect in in stats. Yeah, what's their biggest worry right now, George? Is it is it goals? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the form is is just the biggest worry. Like, I don't necessarily think it, it's purely about a, a goal scoring idea. And I, and I know that there's all this talk about Arsenal needing a striker, but. Yeah. They're, they're not, they're not going to get one, sides. are they? They're not going to get a striker. Well, it doesn't look like it, no. And I think there are a lot of good attacking sides. Like I don't think in this day and age, in modern day football, you do not need an Erling Haaland. You don't need a Lewandowski in order to be a great team because they've got players across the park who are, who are obviously capable of doing that. And we saw that last season. Like they, they were a brilliant side last season who could sweep teams away, scoring loads of goals. Um, but as soon as you go hit a bad run and your main striker is Gabriel Jesus, who we know, whilst he's good for some goals, is never going to be prolific because there's loads of parts of his game that he does that that, that aren't necessarily, um, you know, that, that to the detriment of him being in the right place for, to score goals. So okay, it's, it's just a bad run. And um, I think we're going to learn a lot about Mikel Arteta in the next couple of weeks as to how he um, approaches this in order to to correct it because... You know, it's not just in the league. You saw them, you know, to be knocked out 2-0 by Liverpool in the cup when Liverpool didn't really play a particularly strong side it's in itself for a club like Arsenal who have a great record in the cup and for Arteta who you know, winning the FA Cup was such an important moment in his in the infancy of his Arsenal career, Arsenal management career, um, was a massive blow. So, um, yeah, I mean, goals are an issue, but not necessarily in the sense that I think there's anything they have to do in the transfer market to correct it. It's just work out what is going on and how they can return to, to, to form a form. The only plus from that cup defeat is that it means they've got basically one game in three weeks. So yeah. they've got, you know, we they had last weekend off. that much in three weeks. <laughs> they have next weekend off. So they've, yeah, they, they, they do have a bit of a break. So if, yeah. if it is largely driven by fatigue, this is an opportunity to get over that. Well, we saw yeah. if Mikhail Arteta was, was, was tired, he's been getting his protein, hasn't he? With salt bay. Eating the, eating the steak. Oh that was a, God, a strange, yeah. one of the strangest things I've ever seen on social media, actually. And I've seen a lot of strange <laughs> things on, on social media over, over the years. Let's talk about the visitors then. Crystal Palace. They beat Brentford in their last Premier League game. But Jonathan Hodgson, he feels like he won't be here ne- next season. Where do you think Palace do go from here? I, I had a thought earlier, and 
see what you think of this, that Southgate could leave England after the Euros and take over at Palace. Is that beyond the realms of possibility? No, that seems uh, fairly plausible. I mean, are we sure that Hodgson's going in the summer? I think he probably will. I, I, I don't know anything. I'm not, not, not in the know on this kind of thing. It just feels like a logical conclusion to his time. Well, maybe. I, I just I, I sort of think there's a negativity around Palace at the minute that maybe isn't entirely justified by performances. If you think this season they've, they've been without um, Ezra and Elisa for long long periods, their the last last four games, a 2-2 draw away at City, oh, it's slightly for cheers, but they've, it's a point at City, which is a great result. 1-1 home, one one draw at home to Brighton, which is a decent result. Lose 2-1 at Chelsea, but a little bit unlucky in that game. And then they beat Brentford. So it's a it's a tough one of fixtures are on. This sort of sense that, that Hodgson's been ushered inevitably to the door. And I'm not I'm not sure I entirely entirely buy it. Like, I mean I think if Steve Cooper's available and wants to go, then they certainly should think about doing that. And I, I don't know whether Cooper would want to go straight back into a job, whether you know, he he'd sort of say, Well, I'll come in, in the summer, but I, I want a break. Uh, I think there's a danger when managers don't take a break when they just sort of rush straight into jobs, as say Dean Smith did. That, that I think, yeah, you know, those those rebound jobs are never are never great. Um, but I, I I don't think I don't think there's any inevitability about Hodgson leaving. I mean, you know, they won at Old Trafford this season. I know a lot of teams win at Old Trafford this season, but for Palace, that's a memorable result. I I, I think they're, they're doing okay. I think I think the the issue is that they'd have to give him a new contract. You know, he signed a one year deal um, last summer, and the way that the, the the reason why Hodgson I think often you know was celebrated when he signed that last summer was because he was perceived to have saved them, and and you know that was you had to reward him with a new contract for that. I think the old issues, and, and they did it in that ridiculous style where suddenly they turned into this bizarre gung ho side that we didn't really anticipate that Hodgson was going to oversee. But this season they re- reverted back to their normal means, and you know, whether or not the grass is always green on the other side. Like a lot of Palace fans feel like there is a quite obvious ceiling under Hodgson and that ceiling is, is somewhere around 13th, 14th. Now, if they roll the dice, as they nearly found out last season, it might end up in relegation. And I struggle to see Hodgson in this era where the, the gap between the Championship and the Premier League, both in terms of, of finances and quality, is so big, as we're finding out every season. I struggle to see Palace ever getting relegated under Hodgson. But if they do take a chance mm. and employ someone with a more expansive style, then that comes into the rearview mirror, but they could also do a Brighton or a Brentford where they could try and elevate themselves because their recruitment is very good. So, uh, yeah, because there isn't going to be any great escape this season, I struggle to imagine that Palace are going to give Hodgson a new contract, probably unless they try and find another manager and can't find one. And then they turn back to to Roy to, to steady the ship again. George says about recruitment being good, Jonathan, but they have spent £26 million on a player that we haven't seen this season. If I was to bump into Matthias Franca in the street, I, I don't think I'd know. I, I don't think I know what, what what he looks like. Been given very little opportunity since, since he's joined, Jonathan. And, you know, Palace aren't in a position where they can spend £26 million on a footballer and not play them, surely. Yeah, it's it's all a bit odd, that signing. I mean, he is young. He's, he's 19, isn't he? Um, he'd only played 12 games or started 12 games for, for Flamengo. Um, so I, I guess the sense is he's just not quite ready yet. But that's a lot of money for a club like Palace to spend. For 12 games as well. Uh, yeah, and on a player who I mean, he, hasn't, he hasn't started, has he? He hasn't started a league game. I think five sub-appearances in the league. Um, 
I, I, I guess if you're looking for reasons to be frustrated with Hodgson, his, um, I think he often is quite reluctant to take gambles on, on young players. Um, so yeah, I mean, it might be that in a year or two he's adapted and acclimatized, and and it turns out to be great business. But at the minute, it does it does look, um, it does look like it probably wasn't worth it. Having said that. I think the worst thing you can do if a player arrives and you know he's not ready is to chuck him in. Yeah, that's like, fair. D- don't, don't throw him to the wolves. You, you, you're you better off sort of protecting him, nurturing him, letting people sort of forget about him and then next season maybe maybe he comes through a bit more. Should we do some good news for Crystal Palace, George? You'll like this. Go the good news for Crystal Palace is that they have the best player in the Premier League at the moment across the last six games according to Hudson Edward. Squad. Not that, not your favourite striker. No, it's, it's actually <laughs> Michael Elise, ra- raised in the EFL, as we know you always love, mm. George. Well, he, he is yeah. brilliant, but he is out, isn't he? Hasn't he got a thigh injury? Oh, I don't think that. I don't think that stops you being in the in the in the top of the. No, it's not, it's, it's, my point is, it's not good news. <laughs> it's good news for him to be top of the form rank. Is it's not good? Yeah, news it's bad news. He then can't play. play when he's absolutely at the yeah, peak of his powers. That's not great. Obviously, yeah, obviously, him not him not being there for the game. He's a great. It's good that he you know has come back to form. But this injury won't keep him out for a long time. I don't think. But he's out. I don't know. I was talking quite negatively about it. Oh, okay. So I, 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 don't, I, mean, I have no idea. But how, but how much a play of this is is the fact that. You know, Manchester United are seemingly pretty keen on on recruiting him. Um, it's no oh, surprise don't, to me that don't go there. Well, I, I, it's no surprise that for the first time in, I mean, however long, there seem to be some quite intelligent people at Manchester United, and the first player that the new era is linked with is is Elise because he is just incredibly good. Like, you know, there's no denying that he has to add some kind of end product, um, which we don't see often enough. Although I do think his delivery from wide is very good. Um, I also think when you are playing for Crystal Palace and your manager is as pragmatic as Hodgson is, and with Eze being injured for most of the season, teams basically know that everything's going to have to go through Elise from an attacking point of view. And it means he also gets on the ball in really deep areas, which doesn't really help his output either. But he's brilliant. He's so talented. His ball striking is incredible, both in terms of delivery and and shooting. He is um, just a a vibrant joy to watch. And yeah, it'll be interesting to see where he does go next because I can't imagine he'll still be at Palace at the end of the summer window. No, did them a favour by signing a signing a new contract last summer. Yeah. Kind of protected the value and got rid of that that pesky release fee that, that was in his contract. Do you want to hear some bad news for Crystal Palace, Jonathan? At least that's top of the top of the form rankings. That's uh, that's, that's bad news there, isn't it? <laughs> well, it's bad news that he's injured. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't know he was injured. It's not in the running order, and I, I'm not privy to this information like you. I didn't I didn't know, but. Well done to him. He's a, he's a great footballer. They want him back as soon as possible. Let's do some predictions then for this one. George, I'll come to you first. Arsenal Crystal Palace prediction. Don't know why I feel the need to tell you the fixture. We've just been talking about it for 20 years. <laughs> 2 0 Arsenal. 2 0 to Arsenal. Jonathan, Arsenal Crystal Palace prediction, please. 2 0 to Arsenal. And I have gone for 2 1 to Arsenal. Arsenal to hit the back of the net. Why, why haven't you read out last week's scores, Dan? We haven't got to that point yet, George. Okay, okay, I can do it now if you'd like. If you'd like me to, I've got it here in front of me. Shall we, shall we do it? Yeah, so last week's so. scores, uh, Jonathan, you got six points. George Ellick, you also got six points, and then I got two points. So it was a uh, yeah, really good week. Well, it's not even a great week for for you two either. Really, is it six points? There, there are only five great. games, weren't there? Oh yeah, that's quite good. <laughs> 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 I forgot. 
up and it's only five games. Yeah, well done to you. Five games, six points. I got a pitiful two points. I'm surprised I got that much, to be honest. When I did have a look on the first round of games, I was like, oh, dear. I think I got the Villa, Villa drawing was one of the ones that, that I got. But yeah, my lead has been cut. I'm on 132 points, but Jonathan now on 115. George on 108. He's starting to feel a little bit precarious at the top for me here. A little bit worried about this prediction league because we know that it means absolutely everything. Shall we move on to the second hour? I had to take a breath then. I've been talking for too long. I didn't put any, <laughs> any full stops in my, in my mouth. Let's look at, at Bournemouth against Liverpool next, Len. And let's talk about the tallest player in the Premier League, Jonathan. Solanke. Heard that joke the other day. Made me laugh. Like that? Happy with that? No. No, I didn't like that one. I thought that would get a bit of a better reception than it did get. I nearly Who is the tallest player in the Premier League? Dan Byrne? Got a bit. Oh, what about um, the Brighton keeper? They've got Brighton got a keeper that's six foot six. Have I imagined? Yeah, out, I think outfield. The keepers don't count. Right, the the, the uh, what do you call him? The, the Serbian out of front for Wolves. Um, he's gone. He's gone. So he's not no longer. Oh, is he gone? Yeah, he's gone to back to Germany. He's gone to no longer at all. There, I think. So maybe he's damp. Must be Dan Byrne then. Maybe yeah. I can't think of any anyone else. Uh, the Solanke joke didn't go brilliantly. I won't be using that one for <laughs> sports news over the next couple of days. I've read the room. That one won't be getting broadcasted again. But a brilliant player, Jonathan. Someone I've always thought has got the kind of everything you would want from a modern-day striker in, ter- in terms of physicality, in terms of pace, in his added finishing to his game. Now, producer Dan Rollinson laughed at the Solanke joke. He's just informed me in the chat, so that's good news. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe it's back. Who knows? Maybe I will use it tomorrow. But yes, Solanke, Jonathan, just a, a brilliant striker and in, in a good run of form. Yeah, I think we've been waiting for this for a while. That if, When he was at Liverpool, when he was winning uh, whatever you thought that was, he won with England, uh, you sort of thought, yeah, he's... he's He's got everything, but it's taken a while for him to really find form. But he's, I mean, I, I was at the game where Bournemouth beat Newcastle and he was, I think he scored two that day, but he, he was, he was brilliant. He led the line, was running in behind, um, yeah, pulled Newcastle this way and that. He's got 12 and 19 this season. Um, but I, you know, I think it's, it's also only fair to point out it's because of the system that they're playing that, um, Semenya and, uh, Tavernier wide. Are creating opportunities. The fact that they've got, well, Clivert or Billing playing just behind him, you know, he, he's 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 getting people there to support him, which which maybe hasn't been the, you know, the, the certainly in the Gary O'Neill, that was not how they they they, they played. Um, so yeah, uh, I mean, so many obviously is away at the Cup of Nations, so I guess Sinister will probably play. Um, but yeah, Solanke's he's confident and he's he you know, he looks like he's finally producing the sort of football that we, we always thought he could. And he's fifth. In, oh, wait, I'm looking at the wrong thing here. Where am I? I'm having a nightmare here. <laughs> he's fourth, sorry, in the, 2020, in, the, in the form rankings over the last six games. There's some good names in this list, actually, because what I like about this list of the, of the form rankings is a lot of my favourite players to watch at the moment are in there. So Pedro Porro, Trent, what a judge you Foden, are. Kudos. Uh, I like Cunha at Wolves as well. I've got to say, yeah, all of these players are injured. Kudis is injured. Trent is injured. Well, it's the uh, it's the rankings though. Well, they might be injured, but across <laughs> the last six games, which is what the rankings <laughs> is. Have we cracked the algorithm? Yeah, shall I read? The, shall I read the top ten? I'll, I'll, I'll do the top ten. It's Elise well ahead with eight point one three at the top. Broken. Yep, Trent is second. Kudis is third. Broken. Solanke is fourth. Solanke's not played. broken yet. 
Fifth, Son, who's away. Sixth, Phil Foden, he's fit at the moment. Seventh is Pascal Gross. Eighth is Pedro Porro. Nine is Matthias Cunha. And ten, who I've got to admit, I never thought I'd see the day, Ross Barkley balling out in the Premier League for Luton. I thought he was finished when I watched him be dross for Villa in, in, in the main. A lot of players in there as well, George. They have come through the, through the AFL or had stints at the AFL as well. You know, Solanke in there, he's had a st- I say lots, there's two. So, Solanke and uh, he's uh, the two that have had, had stints. But that's, a, that's an interesting list. And Solanke in fourth, like Jonathan says, it's taken some time, but it does feel like it's all coming together, George. He's 26 years old now. I think oh, I he thought made he was one younger Eng- than that. <clears throat> he made one England appearance, I think, in 2000. It was a long time ago. 2018, I think he made his England debut in the summer that he that moved was from that Chelsea South to Kate? Liverpool. Yeah. It's Gareth yeah, I think- taking risks. Oh, Gareth just loves a, a big transfer. Um, yeah, I mean, he, he's, he's a player who, and I think this is often the case, um, not to bring this to EFL focus, but if you look at Leeds this season, you've got Crescencio Somerville, who was basically incapable of, of saving Leeds at the back end of last season, didn't really look too dangerous. Got Jorginho Ruta, who came in for 30 million and basically couldn't get a game. The, I have no doubt that the best possible thing for their development has been this season with Leeds now, where Somerville will either be playing for Leeds in the Premier League next season or will get a move to a, a club who are either in European competition or, or around that level. And Ruta, exactly the same. He's an unbelievable player. We're now seeing it because he's playing regular minutes at a lower level. And Solanke is exactly the same. Like the best thing that happened to Dominic Solanke was going down to the championship and playing consistent minutes, being one of the best players on the pitch at that level, dominant physically, scoring goals at a senior level, having not really done it. You know, we know he scored a lot of goals for Chelsea youth teams, but it was the best thing for him. And he came back to the Premier League, a much more well-rounded striker, someone who had however many goals in that season under his belt. And now playing for a manager in Areola who has basically built a, a system and a team around creating chances for him. He's thriving. Um, I, I think he's a really interesting proposition, you know, and uh, you can always get a little bit trapped by by signing players after a good scoring spree. But I think he's done it now over a long enough period of time that I think he'd be a, a really good player to play for a good side. And I'm not saying Bournemouth aren't a good side, but I think if he went into an Arsenal or went into, you know, a top team and was able to... Um, Play the similar role he's playing now. I, I see no reason why the goals wouldn't flow. He's a, he's a proper out and out goal scorer and a, and a top player. Yeah, Jonathan, Bournemouth are an interesting side. I always think they've only lost one of their last nine. They've won seven of those nine as well. Got off to a, a tricky start under Iriola, but they, they stuck with him. Didn't there was a bit of pressure at one point actually that you know Bournemouth are going to be down there. He, they should they should change manager, but they, they stuck with him. Obviously believed in his methods and, and what he was trying to do. What's a, what's a good season for them? Tenth, ninth. Oh, top half, I think, would be amazing for them, yeah. Um, I, mean, I don't think maybe he's talking about European qualification yet. So, yeah, ninth or tenth is, is I mean, especially given the way they started. I mean, the, th- the thing is, uh, I feel I keep repeating this, but they didn't play badly those first no, few weeks of the season. Tough fixtures as well. They just, yeah, partly they've had, uh, uh, yeah, the, the fixtures was very yeah, front loaded, but they, they lost a lot of games by a single goal or, or yeah, they, um, they, they drew games that they, they could have won. It was only really the, the 3-0 defeat at Everton where they, they looked poor. Even, even losing 4-0 at home to, to Arsenal, they, they weren't bad in that game. Uh, so I, I sort of had... I mean, you never know with a run like that because it, it can be that uh, players will lose faith in the manager or the manager loses faith in himself and confidence wanes and, and then the poor results spiral into poor performances. But my sense was always that actually the performance were getting better as they began to understand what Areola wanted. And the likelihood was always when they hit that that run of, of easier fixtures in the 
the second half of the first half of the season that, that they would, would get results. So I think they've actually played pretty well all season. Um, I certainly don't think relegation is, is an issue at all now, um, unless no. it turns out that they're going to get duck points as well. Uh, but it, it doesn't seem to be them. Um, so, yeah, they're... they're they should be comfortably away from relegation, and and then maybe maybe they can look at getting in the Conference League. I mean, everyone's going to get dot points, so if they they lose minus ten, I imagine there'd be a few others that would that would lose minus ten as well. George, talk to me about Alex Scott, another player who did well in the EFL. There seems to be a bit of a theme with, with the show this week. I've got to be honest; I don't think I've seen him play live for, for, for Bournemouth Ooh. yet. I've only seen him on Match of the Day. Tell me about him. Let me learn some things about him. Yeah, I think. When you look at um, players recruited out of the championship, there are some who you think might do okay, um, but you know it's a bit of a punt. And then there's a few, you know, Watkins being one, Eze being another, Elise being another, Bowen being another. Where you know they, oh, when they're playing the championship, there weren't flashes of brilliance. It was this guy is, is quite clearly better than, than most other people on this on this pitch. I mean, Scott, you know, he played a range of roles for a Bristol City side that, that weren't necessarily the best you know he, he started out often playing as a kind of an attacking player but he, he found his his groove in, in central midfield um and his ability on the ball his ball carrying in particular through the middle of the park but also his tenacity where he is for you know he's a, a pretty small kid but he's so willing to get stuck in he's got that combination of being technically one of the best players on any pitch he's on but also not shrinking and not um, so happy to engage in the physical side of things. He, he's one of those where I, I can't really work out why um, there weren't teams such as, you know, Arsenal's or, or Tottenham's who, who were after him. Um, but maybe for his development, it's the best thing that he's gone to a side in Bournemouth where he'll get minutes. Um, you know, I, I've seen in the script, it says, is he a future England international? Like, there's, there's just no question. Like, he'll, he'll play for England in the next two years, without a doubt. And you're already seeing Bournemouth fans now. And it's quite rare you see this these days. Bournemouth fans now are just like, Let's just enjoy him whilst he's here because he's not going to be here very long. Yeah, he, he, he's brilliant in football manager. Jonathan loves it when I talk about football manager. He's been, <laughs> been a player I've signed a football manager for, for, for years and years, but I, I've not really seen seen 90 minutes of him, which I'm, I'm disappointed in myself. So I'll make an effort to, to see 90 minutes of him. Know, is, is he played weekend. 90 minutes yet? Well, he would have done for Bristol, wouldn't he? Because he was... Uh, for no, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Bristol, I've, so, yeah, I've just yeah, never yeah. seen him play 90 minutes. So I, That was all, what was also incredible, is that from, you know, the amount of minutes he's played in his career already, um, you know, he is, he's played 6,800 league minutes in his career, um, which is okay. mega for, for, for a 20-year-old. Yeah, it really, um, really is. Let's, uh, here, let's throw something... I'm going to throw something out here that I was, I was thinking about while you were talking. Who's the best ever player to sign from the AFL into the, into the Premier League? Who's the best ever signing? Direct. Yeah, like the what you just mentioned, Bowen, etc. That kind. Of, well, that kind of into the Premier League because I mean, obviously Bellingham's the one. Um, yeah, to, Premier to League only. I'm fed up of Bellingham just winning everything and being the best at everything. Let someone let's let someone else have something. Did Tim Cahill. Tim oh, Cahill was a good one. No, Longevity. Than that, can't we? He was just That's a great question. Player. Thank you. Um. Because I'm so focused on the more recent ones. I mean, I think Watkins is is obviously got to be up there. I'm happy with that. Let's uh, end the show. Huh? I'm happy with that. Let's end the show. And, and obviously, you don't mean a player who's played in the Premier League, got relegated, and then been signed. You mean somebody no, who can't, can't make the can't like, like, like Bowen. They've made the step up yeah. to the Premier League. I think Tim, Tim Cahill's probably in the conversation, you know. Yeah, he's at Millwall, wasn't he? And then, yeah, then Evan. Mm. No, he never played Premier League, had he? And then he went to Everton and was yeah. there for, for a long time. 
Robbie Keane. Yeah. Although he went to, he yeah. didn't go direct, did he? Went, I know he went did. He to, went to Coventry. Went to Coventry. There's a show did in this, George. Did, did he go to Inter? Yeah, I'm going to think. He went to. He went to. He Wolves, went Wolves Coventry, Carf, Inter. Inter, Leeds, yeah, Spurs, yeah, and then everywhere else. I reckon you could do a podcast on that, George. I think give yeah, you I a, can have a, a think. Nice, it's a good. Nice podcast idea there. It is good. You and Ali, I'm, I'm creating ideas for you and Ali. I think there's got to be there's got to be like a proper superstar. I'm just trying to think who it is. Um, I don't think there is because I would say biasly that the best player to play in the championship would be Jack was Jack Grealish, but then he already played Premier I League. I would and... say Kyle Walker's got to be up there as well. So that's a shout. I can get, I can get on board into Spurs and City. I can get on board via a loan spell at Villa Park. Don't forget that pivotal in, his, in his career that was. Uh, I, I like that. I think that's probably a decent shout considering how decorated he is. As well, mm. having where was uh, where was Fifty before Spurs by a similar, similar Burnley, time. Burnley, Burnley in, in the EFL though? Did he? In the, yeah, in the Championship. Yeah, he yeah. went Championship, played Premier League for Burnley, then went on to Spurs from there. But he came from he went Man City, but he didn't. I don't think he ever played for Man City. Took a conversation Adam anyway. The next one, by the way. Pardon? Adam Orton's the next one. I don't know who he plays for. Blackburn. I'm already embarrassing myself. Blackburn. Blackburn. and he's okay. um, he's. Mega. He's been linked to Spurs recently. He's just an unbelievable player, like central midfield player. Again, just an unbelievable passer. Great, great passing range. Fairly tenacious as well. But when you watch him play football in the Championship, especially when Blackburn have the ball, he's just he's clear. Yeah, well, it's an interesting conversation. Anyway, one we can think about. We'll come back next week and maybe reconvene with, with with some different answers. Let's talk about Liverpool then. Good start to life without without Salah, Jonathan. They beat Arsenal in the FA Cup. Really good game. That was really entertaining spectacle. I, I thought so. They've shown that they can win without him, but they're now without Trent and Shabba's life as well. So a few absentees for Liverpool. But you kind of get the feeling that like all, all season, really, they'll make it work. Well, they've got a big problem at fullback now. Uh, I mean, if if Given that they don't have their first choice right back, their second choice right back is covering the fact that the two left backs aren't there. Uh, so does Conor Bradley play at right back? Is Timmy just due back? I've got a feeling he's due back. Is he back? Okay, well, if he's back, obviously Joe Gomez can switch across. Yeah. But uh, you know, how fit he is, even if he is back, whether he can last a full game, um, given the physical demands on, on fullbacks at Liverpool team. Yeah, that is. I mean, Conor Bradley looked very good, what we saw of him after 15 minutes at. Uh, at Arsenal, yeah. Um, Endo's away as well, so there's this season midfield. I mean, they, they do have midfielders. I mean, you, you know, they can play <clears throat> McAllister deep. Uh, I guess Elliot on the right and Jones on the left. Obviously, got Graven Birch. So there are options there. In some ways, Salah, although you know, clearly a brilliant player, he, he's the most easily replaceable because they've got such such strength up front. They can play Gakpo over there. Um, so I, I think that's yeah, or Jota, yeah. So it's. There's plenty of options in there, the forward line. Yeah, uh, it's 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 Alexander Arnold. It's the big issue if, if depending on Simicast's mm. fitness. Now, you'll like this next graphic, Jonathan, because we've got the Liverpool top ten performers from the season, but some of them have got Salah's got a plane next to him, which means he's away, and some of them have got <laughs> got, got a little little injury graphic as well next to him on this one. So, throughout three of Liverpool's top four rated players so far this season are absent: Salah, Trent, and Shabazzlaw. Uh, a three of the four Van Dyke's the second highest rated for Liverpool with 7.30. So, you know, that you take three of your four highest rated players out of any side, George, and it, it could be a problem. 
yeah, I mean, it's, it's always going to be an issue. Um, but it's it's how you you deal with the, the strength and depth, uh, as Jonathan says, and it feels like they've got some to, to cope with most. But I mean, it's it's easy for us to sit here and say Salah comes out, you've got Gakpo, you've got Elliot, you got but. I mean, this is Mo Salah, so there's always going to be a massive drop-off. But interestingly for me, I mean, I think if if Shropislow wasn't out, I think they'd be better co- better um, able to cope with the loss of Trent because I think when it's, you know, I think Trent's really good form in the second part of the season has been at the detriment of Shropislow, who's had to kind of adopt a, a more central position rather than that kind of playmaker on the right-hand side of the three, which I think is impacting his performances a bit. Um but yeah, I mean, we saw Liverpool put in a great performance at Arsenal last time out, not without a great team. So this is a, a pretty awkward game for them. Um, it's a game where um, Bournemouth will certainly fancy their chances given the, the the players that are out. Let's talk Darwin Nunes, Jonathan. I don't know if you remember this, but last season we had a, a quite a brutal conversation with him on on this show, saying that for eighty five million, with you him. want a bit more from your striker. It wasn't with him; he wasn't on the show. No, but we had a conversation <laughs> about him. Sorry, for, for eighty five million, basically, you you want a bit more. We said you'd want more of the finished article, but he's approaching double figures for goals and assists now across all competitions this season, Jonathan. He's not. I don't think he's the finished article, but by any stretch of the imagination, and that's what we were saying. You know, for eighty-five million, you probably want want a bit more. But are you seeing different things this season that you like more compared to last? Um, no, but I think maybe because I accept this is what he is. I mean, I think in the league he's got five goals, six assists, which is okay. Uh, yeah, they they generate enough chances that it hasn't really looked like costing them yet. Um, the danger is that in a uh, you know, in a key game, say, say the home game against City, it's nil-nil, two minutes to go, and Sobosai does something brilliant, lays the ball through. Do you want Nunez being the man running on to that chance? Well, probably not, and that that is an issue. Um, so, I, I can accept the argument that the, the chaos that he generates is what is one of the things that leads to chances, and you have to accept that. Chance creation is something he does very well. Chance execution is is something he's less good at. But the two sort of balance out. Um, but I do think there's a danger that there is a you know a really big, really crucial chance comes his way, and you wouldn't fancy him. Was it against Bournemouth in the cup where he made that horrendous mm. touch and the yeah, crowd went way and then he scored? It's got an absolute world. That, that probably sums him up as a as, as a player. It's from the sublime to the, to the ridiculous with Nunes. But you know, whatever we say about Salah, George, even if he's having a bad game, he's always in the goals. So that kind of do with someone taking over that. Maybe that player is Jota because I feel like he's always in the goals when, when he does play. But they could do with Nunes taking some of these chances in the in the next few weeks because they haven't started <laughs> yeah. to mop this stuff up. Like surely he's going to. Like I just find it impossible that this guy is. I mean, I love him personally. Um, I, I think it's got to be. I mean, I feel like I've been sitting here for the last year and a half saying it's a matter of time. But the fact yeah, that you love Odison got... Edward as well, George. Though we don't know whether we can take your striker opinion seriously. Very, very similar players. Um, it, yeah. We... How, do, how do you feel about Timo Werner? <laughs> um, differently. I, I don't. I'm, I'm not as big a fan of him. But there is. Um, I, you I look a little bit like Timo Werner, George. I, I, think, think, there's a there's a I think I think I think you've said that before. Um, I don't think I have. It wasn't me. Someone else has. Must be uh, another excellent presenter that you do podcast with. <laughs> uh, or Ali Maxwell. I don't think so. Oh, um, it was <laughs> with um, with Darwin. He's he's got the goals, and you know you, you don't score twenty six Liga Nosh goals if you are going to consistently miss chances like that. Um, 
It, you can say about Werner though. You don't score twenty-eight Bundesliga goals if you're going to miss chances like that. Yeah, and I kind of think that there's, there's probably something in that. I mean, with, with Werner, as we spoke about last week, like it feels like he is, as a player, just just was shot to pieces by the pressure and the and what happened to, at, at Chelsea. I don't get that impression with Darwin at all. Like he, he feels like he's quite resilient, if anything. Like I don't. Mm. It doesn't seem to me like he's someone who who retreats into his shell and in, in the face of, of pressure. Um, but he's just yeah, I and mean, I just I just can't work out how someone as good at so many things as he is is so incapable of taking the easy chances that would make him you know, that would turn him from being a frustrating but effective player to an elite striker. Can someone tell me what a league ganache goal is, please? Watch that. Is that what it's called? League ganache. Yeah. Hmm. Is that like a dessert? I'll have a chocolate ganache. <laughs> I've never heard I've never heard it called that in my in my life. How do you spell that? L I G A N O S. What? There you go, Nosh. What does it mean? Don't know. Okay. But I've never ever heard of that. Ever. You learn something every, every every week at the moment. I, I like you. You were trying to embarrass me, and no, I wasn't. I, I, I knew you. I didn't think you just made up a word. I knew I knew you meant something, but I, I'd never ever heard it called that. That's fascinating stuff. But for me, that is a league ganache goal. Brilliant. Right, then let's do best of our predictions for Bournemouth against Liverpool. Then again, I feel the need to tell the fixture that we've been talking about for 20 minutes. Jonathan? 2-1 uh, to Liverpool. 2-1 to Liverpool. I have gone for 3-1 to Liverpool. George? 2-2. Two, two. 2-2. Two, two. And of course now, this would probably be the time that we'd go through how we got on with our predictions last time, but George was so eager <laughs> to do it earlier on in the show, we haven't had the chance to do it in its usual slot. So let's do the rest of our predictions then. Big game on Saturday tea time is Brentford against Forest. I'll go first this time. I've gone for Brentford 2, Forest 1, the return of Ivan Tony to galvanise them. George? 1-0. One 1-0. All. One all. Jonathan? 1-0 to Brentford. 1-0 to Brentford. Sheffield United against West Ham. I don't know why I've put this down. George? Well, I, I, I answered yesterday and I put Sheffield United 1, West Ham 2 and then I watched their FA Cup game against Bristol City and I'd now like to say Sheffield United 3, West Ham 0. But sadly, we have to stick with what, with what we put yeah. the first time. So, 2-1 Hammers. Well, yeah, I did it before the game as well. I went for Sheffield United 1, West Ham 1. Jonathan? 1-0 to West Ham. 1-0 to West Ham. And then finally, Brighton against Wolves. Jonathan? 2-1 to Brighton. 2-1 to Brighton. I changed last second. I was going to go for that. I went for 2-2. George? Yeah, I got 2-1 Bright Brighton as well. 2-1 to Brighton. So that leaves us then to do our treble in association with Odds Checker and most of the time Bet MGM, who I'm sure will come <laughs> in about 30 seconds. Who's Jonathan, you, you haven't had, gotten a away win, have you? you said to Yeah, I've got, I've got two away wins. No, what did you, you need have a draw? I don't have any draws. Okay, well. So why did Jonathan take the away win? Jonathan take the away win. Then, George, what do you want to take? I don't mind. No, no, to no, you, you choose. You choose, Tamer. I'll take a draw. You take the draws, which means I'll pick a home win. So it feels like I should just go for Arsenal <laughs> against Palace, shouldn't I? I'll just go for Arsenal Palace. Okay. That's three on, one to three. Yep, George, draw. Jonathan, I'll do the draw. Uh, I've got uh, yeah. Brentford Forest as the draw, 11 or 4. Brentford v Forest, okay. And then Jonathan, a Y win, please. Uh, which is longer, West Ham or Liverpool? West Ham. I go for that one. West Ham to win the Sheffield United. Jared Bowen back has to be. Good news, hopefully, West Ham. Um, oh, my gosh. Guess who's top MGM? price? 20.5 to 1. <laughs> That's a Bet good price. MGM. 
That is a really 20 good Twenty to one, the treble. Arsenal to win. Brentford Forest draw. Uh, West Ham away win. It is a short. How, as... how, how do these people make money? Pay MGM. Just pay, well, they're, just pay yeah, a lot of money. Yeah, pay a lot of money. You never get it wrong. I think they, they try and get people to sign up by, by being the best price. It'll be interesting. To, I mean, they've only recently launched. Will they still be best price in a year? Okay. Right. I, I will. Um, I will say they've spent a lot on advertising. <laughs> Chris Rock. But he's everywhere. But if we if we if we did if we got BetMGM to sponsor it, then Chris Rock would come on the pod. Imagine I'm going to ping him. A, I'm going to ping him a message saying we're talking about you every single week. Him and Darwin Nunes. Uh, <laughs> it's a it's as short as um, sixteen to one with, with with another firm on the odds checker grid. So yeah, I mean if, if you use odds checker, you get not sixteen to one, but over twenty to one. I'd be really interested to hear what Chris Rock has to say about who was the best player to to sign from the AFL into into the Premier League. I'd be really interested. In I, I, d- I don't want to lose my fee. I think we should discourage outsiders. He'll <laughs> uh, be coming. He'll be coming on. He doesn't need the money. He'll be coming on out, out the goodness of his heart. We need to talk Premier League with us. That's what. That's what <laughs> I would have thought. Yeah, that, that's how celebrities operate. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, definitely at that level as well. Chris, Chris Rock. He's, he's trying to rebuild a little bit as well after he got slapped in the face as well, isn't he? By, by, by Will Smith, you know, trying to rebuild his career. After after that, I'm sure he'll be okay though. Right, let's go. Let's not talk about Chris Rock. Thank you ever so much, both of you, for joining me today. It's been an absolute pleasure as always. Do all the good stuff that helps the podcast grow. Subscribe, like, comment on wherever you are getting this podcast, whether it be audio or video. The guy, no, it's FA Cup, isn't it? We don't do FA Cup, so we won't be back next week, but we will be back the week after, as we always are, to preview the Premier League weekend. So get get subscribed with those post notifications on so you know when the show is coming. Enjoy the staggered football at the weekend and tell all your friends and family about the pod. Mm-hmm.